0: Stephen, I'm going to invite Adit up. Uh, Good morning. Um, We've been, uh, if you've been here over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking through a different series um, and uh, and, uh, are relevant. And looking at different issues, and what I've really appreciated about it is, is particularly the conversation with people after the messages, because I felt it's really given us a chance to get to know uh, a little bit more about the people that we sit next to uh, each week, or many, many of whom we've known for years. Adit, uh, I've known you for a few years now, um, and uh, we heard already this morning something of your passion for justice. You lead uh, Just Living. I know that you're actively involved at, at Parkdale Manor, but um, I don't know how life was so much for you in your early years, earlier years, and um, I, I just wonder uh, whether or not this is an opportunity for us to hear a little bit more from Adi. I would love to hear a little bit more, Adi, about the changes that you've experienced in your life, or whether, in fact, you came out of the womb praising and, uh, and with arms race. So.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's a good thing I wrote this down. I would be blabbing. I was a hippie. And a rebel. Some would say I still am. Children were starving in Ethiopia, big corporations were corrupt, banks were cheating, and something needed to be done about it. Clothed in flowing robes and hand spun sweaters, girded with an Alpine cow rope, and demonstratively barefoot, I joined a political party, held rallies, hugged trees, all the while eating organic whole grains and free-run eggs. Yes, I was ahead of my time. All the while, my inner turmoil, searching and yearning for more, never left me. Then, something happened. My secular boyfriend introduced me to his family, in particular to his brother, Stefan, and his wife, Bernadette, and their eight children. As was my charming habit, I proceeded to give Stefan an earful of my strategy of how to change the world, spinning wheel and all. He was not impressed. He talked to me about Jesus. Always Jesus. I remember saying to him once, can't you talk about anything else? After many months of arguing, rebelling and fighting, I finally surrendered to the call of my savior. That night in Stefan's living room, I fell on the floor sobbing and saw the wall of my self-righteousness crumble in front of me. I surrendered my life to Jesus. That night, lying in bed, I said the German word, endlich, 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 finally, finally, over and over again. I saw angels dancing because one lost daughter had found her way home. I had a new master a new purpose, a new love, a new life. And from that day on, my life changed. I ended the relationship with my non-Christian boyfriend. I developed a hunger for God's word and a desire to share my newfound treasure with everybody I met. A few years later, I quit my teaching position to follow God's call to share the love of Jesus with Muslims in Morocco a country I would not previously have been able to locate on a map. In his amazing grace, God continues to transform me, growing pains and all. I learned that real, deep, lasting change does not come from hugging trees, even though I still love trees, or from political power, but from within from a heart touched by God who does not give up on us. Personally, I want to keep growing more and more into the likeness of Christ and inspire others to grow towards him, just like my sunflowers, stretching their heads towards the sun, until my last breath, when I finally will be home with him, to whom belongs all the glory. Change my heart, oh Lord. Never let me go.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Edith. Thank you. I I really do appreciate that. There's something actually that's quite vulnerable to be able to stand up and share something of what God has done or is doing in your life. Um, And so I've really appreciated, thank you, Edith, for for taking the time to share with us in that way. And, And also, over the last few weeks to get what feels like we've been getting beneath the surface uh, and getting to know one another a little bit more deeply. I think we're we're all used to kind of presenting ourselves in one way or another. We do it... Uh, we do it actually repeatedly. We create different profiles on social media and we, will, we put ourselves out and we present a vision or a version of ourselves that we would like the world to see and like, this is the version of me that I'd like you to understand and, and, and see and, and appreciate. It's certainly a preferred version. I wonder if at times uh, those that are closest to us would recognize us uh, even from the way that we present ourselves online. But beyond our, our kind of social media profiles and, and identities, um, there's also our, we, we spend a lot of time investing in our resumes for, for I know, you know, within our, within our youth at schools, it's like, oh, we've got to build my resume. I've got to add to my resume. We adapt our resumes depending on whatever job we're going to apply for. Um, and so we, we pour lots of work and effort into building our resumes and that we would be then that, that desired employee. Uh, I've been reading a book called The Road to Character by a guy called David Brooks, and, um, and he talks about this very point, about how we, we spend so much time and energy invested in building what he describes as our resume virtues. These are things like our volunteer hours, our work experience, our education, the projects, our interests. But he also speaks of Another set of virtues, which he describes as our eulogy virtues. These are the things that we would hear spoken at at someone's funeral or a celebration of life. And these are different. right? These are often words that speak of kindness and generosity and faithfulness and humility and love. So I wonder if we were to take a snapshot today and put a caption underneath it, what would you write? What would fill it in as a, as a descriptor of you to, to describe, well, this is, this is me? Or what would you like other people to say of you? I wonder how much we sow into these virtues. I love, Edith said, you know, she had this strategy for changing the world. But how often do we embrace a strategy for the change that's needed in each of us? See, it's one thing to spend a lot of time cultivating our professional skills. But if we don't have a clear idea of what brings meaning to life or who brings meaning to life, how do we know best where to devote those skills or which career path we should be following? What's going to be the highest and the best? Many of us spend years investing in the former, in our resume virtues, And whilst the deepest parts of ourselves remain unexplored and unstructured, how tragic then if all of that effort, after all of that effort, we end up with some vague anxiety that life has not really achieved its ultimate meaning and significance. And so I'll ask the question, we need a strategy to build into our lives. What is it? How do we build virtues into our lives? We often hear at Granville Chapel that we are a, we're a work in progress. We're, we're broken people being transformed. It's, being, it's right at the heart of our vision statement. It's spiritually vibrant people being transformed and extending God's kingdom. We're, we're all at various stages of being made new. And as I've already made reference to the last series that we were speaking on, uh, looking at the, the theme of uh, relevant. We looked at loneliness and addiction and the crisis of identity and anxiety and mental health. And, and these are things that we all experience here amongst us. This is not just what's going on out there. But these two are our experiences. We're a broken people being made new. And it's, and it's not that Jesus loves the future version of us any more than he loves us today. But he loves us too much to leave us as We are today because there is a wholeness and there is a fullness of life that he invites us into. And so this over these next few weeks uh, through the season of Lent, we're going to be looking at this theme of transformation as we journey with Jesus to the cross that we yeah, recognize our own brokenness, but also how we might experience more of the power of the resurrection life into which he calls us we've got to ask, the question is, you know, is change possible? I think we all know that the answer to that is, right? It's Sunday morning, Sunday school. What You know, is change possible? And the answer is, oh, well, <laughs> is change possible? All right, well, it looks like we have got some work to do. But like, like we, do, we do know that it's possible, don't we? But I wonder if, if our experience, of so was like, you know, I know that it is possible. It's just my experience is not actually, that these things are changing. I'm not, I'm not experiencing these changes. And maybe maybe that's, maybe because we think about this in the wrong way. We've come to believe certain things about ourselves or even about God um, that are hindering that process, what God wants to do. We may start with the question, well, why bother? Why bother? And I feel, I've been so disappointed. I'm, I'm stuck and and the slavery of ingrained habits that Paul talks about earlier on in Romans 3. You know, I'm stuck in this place. I just keep going back to these things. And I can't move on. Is it too late for me? Is, it, is this change? Is this life? Is this wholeness? Is this not for the likes of me? This is the stuff of the spiritual giants. But for the likes of little old me, maybe not. Or maybe you would think, but but why bother? 35 times in this epistle alone, Paul reminds us that righteousness is unattained and unattainable through human effort. It's a gift from God. So if then the needed change within us is God's work and not ours, why do we even try? And yet Paul urges us, Beginning of this chapter, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And he later cites the virtues of Jesus' followers. To be sincere, cling to what's good. I mean, that's like like Glue. This is more than a, a casual approval of things, but live your life totally wrapped up in it. Be devoted in, this, in a truly family sense to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Don't lack zeal, but have spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. They didn't have a great deal to feel joyful about. Paul says be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people. Practice hospitality. This was not just invite your friends over when it's convenient on days, and, but actually open your home for the furtherance of God's kingdom. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. Don't be proud. Don't be conceited. Try and do right as far as it's possible, far as, as far as you can. Be at peace with everyone. Feed the hungry. Give the thirsty something to drink overcome evil with good. These are, I mean, these are high virtues, aren't they? So how do we do that? How is change possible? What is the strategy? Well, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life. And we've already practiced some of them this morning. We've prayed. We've worshipped. Some of us may have fasted. We're studying the word or you've studied the word there's also things like simplicity and solitude. We, we had a moment of confession during the prayer. And this is not an exhaustive list. All of these disciplines are a means of receiving his grace. They allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So help understand that a little bit more. Uh, maybe if we were to use a farming metaphor. You know, as a farmer, a farmer can't actually produce grain. But he can provide the right conditions for it to grow. He cultivates the ground. He plants the seed. He waters the plants. But it's the natural forces of the earth that take over, and up comes the grain. And so, too, are the spiritual disciplines. It's how we sow to the Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 6, Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So over these next few weeks, I want to encourage us all to be turning the soil, preparing the soil for the seed to take root, that it might grow and multiply in us, that we might be transformed. Richard Foster, whose book, The Celebration of Discipline, which many of us would have read, which um, uh, I spent some time in this week, he describes the disciplines in this way the disciplines are god's way of getting us into the ground they put us where he can work within us and transform us by themselves they can do nothing they can only get us to a place where something can be done and i'd say that's that's one of the dangers whenever we come to this subject about spiritual disciplines we can fall into the mistake or the, go into the error of of treating them as law, if I do these things then. But we know that law-bound disciplines breathe death. Jesus calls us beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees, and we're always quick to, to come down hard on the Pharisees. But one thing in their credit, I mean, they put in the effort, right? They were trying, and yet the criticism of, but this is all external, And you're using these things to manipulate and control. And it leads to pride, but also fear. Fear of loss of control. What's another pitfall when we think of pursuing these disciplines? One is that they become the center of our worship. That we become devoted to them more than Jesus himself. As if they themselves were virtuous. To remind ourselves they can only get us to a place where something can be done. We need to understand that the spiritual des- disciplines, what the change that we want to see in our life for God to work in us, we cannot see through our own strength. This is not a matter of willpower. The will has the same deficiencies as the law. It can only deal with the externals. You realize that until, until, as soon as you put yourself under pressure, What comes bubbling to the surface? The moment we feel we can succeed and attain victory by the strength of our will alone is the very moment that we're worshiping the will. As soon as you resist mentally any undesirable or unwanted circumstance, you thereby endow it with more power, power which it will use against you. Emmett Fox wrote. We can't do these things on our own. But we want to make ourselves accountable to live these out in community and through the indwelling of God's spirit. And it would be a mistake and it would be a miss if we were to limit this season to one of academic curiosity, of mere study. To tweak our interest, a point of discussion, but not application. Because the disciplines are to be experienced through their daily application in our lives. How then is change possible? How can we create the conditions for the seed to grow? I think the first thing is that we have to start from a point of desire, of wanting this. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That's why Paul urges us. He says, in light of all that God has done, everything that he's been saying through chapters 1 to 11, in view of his great mercy, give him everything. And Paul urges us. He doesn't command us. This is not an obligation, but it's an invitation. And that's important. Because Change requires a willingness to surrender ourselves to the rule and the reign of God. It's where it begins. If I want to know and experience change, then first, in light of everything that God has done through Jesus, I need to surrender my life to Him. Believing in the power of the cross, believing in the work of Jesus on the cross, is sufficient. It's where we begin. In view of God's mercy, as soon as we begin to understand more of this is God's work, what he has done for me, his mercy, not for what I deserve. He gives me what I don't deserve, his grace. And as soon as we grasp that, actually it frees us from feeling that we have to then fix other people. But we offer our bodies. and That's, that's everything. This is not some ethereal kind of part, not some kind of just thoughtful, spiritual experience out somewhere. It's everything. That's why I like Eugene Peterson's translation when he says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Everything. 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 As a living sacrifice, an offering. Now, Sacrifices, this is not, these are not things that we, we know what it is, but certainly for Paul's audience, they would have understood um, about sacrifice to gods, about temple worship. Paul spoke earlier about dying to sin, but here he talks about living sacrifices, emphasis is on that in Christ we're alive from the dead. And so what we bring, what, what this brings is not one of destruction, but uh, an offering of energy and life. This is positive. This is dynamic. What we bring before him, who is holy. This is a, a holy and pleasing offering before the Lord. Nothing held back. This is true and proper worship, Paul says. What's the strategy? It's Jesus. And, to keep, uh, and, it, and it keeps God's mercy in view. There are things that we don't do. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, things that we need to avoid. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is not exclusively uh, a mental exercise, but it does include that. And then when Paul goes on to say in the last part in this verse two, he said, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. What he's saying is not not only will you know that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect, but you will experience that his will is good and pleasing and perfect. So as we start this new season, as we move through Lent towards Easter, I want to ask the question, we're asking the question, are you ready to go deeper? Are we able as a community to say, I'm gonna, I want to invest some time. I want to take some time to work on my eulogy virtues. I want to I take a break from those resume virtues of what I'm going to do. And I want to take some time thinking about who do I want to become? Who am I becoming? And this is a different approach, right? Because when we look at our, our resume virtues, uh, we often... We're often working on our strengths and to our strengths, aren't we? But when it comes to these deeper virtues, these eulogy virtues, we often need to confront our weaknesses. We need to open the door and surrender ourselves again to a place where God can bless us. I wonder if Maybe we've, we've lost the how because there's not a lot of teaching on the how we do that. And why is that? Because in the first century, this is just what people did. They, they kind of knew it. They practiced it. But let's not forget that the mechanics of how we do this is not as important as the external, the inner attitude of our heart towards this process. As a staff team, uh, over the last few months, we've been listening to um, some podcasts by a guy called Craig Groeschel, and he's a leader of a, a large church network in the States. And so he has this leadership podcast, and uh, one of them that we listened to was about, you know, your best year ever, best year of leadership ever. And so we were, we were kind of exploring this together. And uh, <clears throat> I liked where he started because he said before thinking in terms of what you will do, because we might think, okay, what's going to make this the best year ever? And we might straight away go to the what, right? Oh, I, I want to do this. I want to kind of, these would be the measures of success, the achievement. That would make it a sweet year. But he says, before thinking in terms of what you will do, and I'd say that's back to our resume virtues, think of who you want to be. Not to do, but who. And he goes on to say, possibly the most important step is the discipline to start. I think some of us think that to see change, it's going to take some big shift. Or people that we look at that have achieved certain, you just see qualities in their lives. What, what big steps did they take? But I, I like what Craig Rochelle says. He says, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. It's the daily disciplines done consistently that lead to big results over time. And, you know, as we begin to practice these, if we, we have the discipline to start, we actually find that we become more disciplined people in other areas. I've learned a little bit about this uh, over the last year or so. I, I, when I was younger, uh, you know, I'd, I remember watching you know, people that would do different kind of sporting things. And I, in my mind, I had different things that I would like to have done. Like, and so one of them was, I wonder if I could ever run like, a distance race or, any, or anything like that. But I couldn't really run that far. And I thought, I'm just the wrong build for that kind of thing. But no, I will give it a go. Andy's talked about birding, so you're going to endure this. <laughs> so I started, um, and, I, and I can talk a lot about this. But, so I, I started, Mike and I were going to chat some more this afternoon. Running, and it's been, a, it's been a whole new joy and a discovery for me. Okay, so if in my mind when I was younger, I mean, I'd already thrown this out, thought, I wonder, I wonder if I could run a marathon. At some point, I want to do that. Well, it takes steps to get us from where we are and who we are today to who we want to become. And so over the last year, I've, I've started running a bit. And that means going out in the morning and different exercises and following a different, you know a, you know, a training plan. And it's even made me think about maybe I should get more sleep at night. And maybe I should, you know, I, I don't want to be carrying around all the excess. So maybe I should watch what I'm eating a bit more. And I'm still working on that. But, <laughs> but it's what began as actually hard work, and a real effort to get out of the door, my wife will tell you, is now, it's a joy. It's, it, the problem is keeping me in. <laughs> See, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. So we don't get from here to there with just one big step, but it's the small steps that we choose today. Who do we want to become? who are we becoming so i want to ask us i want us all to ask ourselves ask the lord this question over this next over today over over coffee over the next few weeks what discipline do i need to start what discipline do i need to start even to become a more disciplined person what what would be a small step that i can begin to take and and do that. And, and the good news is, and, and this was, for me, when I came to faith, one of the best news for me, because I thought, this is my life here. I see that as the life that it means to follow Jesus. How does that happen? How do I get from here to there? And, and then somebody said, but, but Jesus gives us his spirit. And he enables us. And he, cha- he brings about the changes. a Surrender to him and receive his spirit. And he brings about the change in us. So we're not alone in this endeavor. We we have Jesus by His Spirit, our ever-present strength, our teacher and our guide. Change is possible. Adeete has shared her own life. Many of us can share our own stories of change, our testimonies of the difference that Jesus had made, has made in our life and continues to make daily. But you know this doesn't come in a vacuum. I want to encourage you, if you want to join in this, if you want to think, right, who am I becoming? Who do I want to become? Tell someone. Tell someone what you are planning. What steps are you going to take over these next few weeks? Start today. Tell someone. Tell someone in your community group. Maybe if you're part of a DNA group, share with your DNA group. There's just two or three of you that gather regularly to pray together, to ask one another, how are you doing? How is that thing? How is that person that we've been praying for? Share with them. I like this expression that I read um, somewhere, I can't remember this week. They said about, you know, the importance of warming the heart. Warming the heart. How do we do that? We, we do that by spending time with people that we love and that we admire. People that actually, consciously or subconsciously, we kind of mimic or we would like to be like. People who maybe have lived a little longer than us. They've walked a little further. And so th- these virtues have ripened uh, in their lives. We see it. We see them. I want to be like that person when I'm their age. Well, I need to make some changes now then. Is change possible? You may still be thinking, is that possible though for the likes of me? Maybe you just feel too stuck in the slavery of those ingrained habits. I think the Lord would want to say that there is mercy and grace for you today and every day. This week, um, I reconnected with somebody who I haven't seen for maybe 20 years. And uh, it was this this guy, this, he was a little lad called Valji. And... Um, Mavalgi is through social media. Like is now a twenty-something-year-old strong guy. He, the picture of the lad on his shoulder is kind of the age of, of what, of what Val G would have looked like when I knew him. And I remember when he came to the farm. I used to work with a project I've, I've mentioned before in Brazil, and it was working with kids who lived in the streets, uh, on the streets in Brazil. And Val G and his brother turned up. I remember meeting them on the streets. And I remember the first day when they came to the farm, these two little lads, wide-eyed and pretty frightened. And they were coming to this farm where they were going to begin a new life. And we were going to care for them. They were going to start going back to school. Um, On the streets, there there was use of drugs and crime and violence and all of these things. And so I I remember, because actually... uh, I was the guy, when they, when they came onto the farm, I remember walking them around and showing them around where the, we had the soccer field, and um, these are the dorms where you guys sleep. This is your room, and you know here are some of the boys, and this is where we eat, and the school's just up there in Havana, which is the little town. And uh, So I was delighted to kind of reconnect with him this week and find out that Val G is now this big, strong guy. He's, he's working He's, he's just—he he loves what he does in his job. He's married. He's following the Lord and serving in his church, and, and I love the piece that even the land behind us. He still lives in Havana so he's still living in that place, that little town. Our little town is about hundred thousand people, but it, it was in this just up the hill from from where we lived on that farm. So his geography actually hasn't changed that much, but oh. It has changed so much. And I, and I felt this overwhelming just joy, not, not for what he's done, but for who he's become. Because Val told me that, and he sent me, a, there was a photo that, you know, this, this is a bit of land in Havana, And he said, oh, I've also, we're also, my wife, she works as a, like a social worker, asistente sociale. She's like a social worker. And, uh, and so I'm building a, a home and a little situ, a little kind of farm so that we, where we can provide care and support for kids who are at risk on the streets. He said, it's me doing the work, so it's a bit slow, but, it, but, but I saw the foundations that had been laid, and uh, oh, my heart just soared. Not, not for what he's done, but for who he's become. And who he's becoming. And that promise is for all of us. No matter how far we may feel from the Lord. No matter how low we may have fallen. That promise is for all of us. And change in him is possible and available to us today. Amen. Shall we pray? I'm going to invite the band up. Would you stand with me please <clears throat> um, you know it start it starts it starts with jesus it starts and ends it's, it's all about him and, um, and if we want to see change and if we long for that and we want to move from the stuckness, then, then actually it starts with surrendering our lives to him. And it may be that for someone, someone here, for some of us today, we may, even have, we may have been going through the motions of being at church regularly. But I say, but Jesus, I, I choose today. I want to surrender everything to you. I want to surrender my life to you. And if that's you, we'd love to pray with you this morning. And for some of us, it's a place of just, we've held stuff, we've held on to stuff. We've given it up, but we've pulled it back, and we gotta—we just got to let it go again and surrender it all to him. So let me pray for us all now. And if you're comfortable to do so, I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes and, and open your arms in a posture of openness to what God would do. A posture that says, Lord, come in. Have your way with me. Let me be soil that is ready and turned over for you to work in. And he does that by his spirit. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Would you fall on us? And just thank him in the silence of your heart. Thank him. Jesus, thank you. That you come to me now. By your spirit. Take me, Lord, and move in me. Change me. Father, I pray, would you speak to each of your children here today, to each of your people who are calling to yourself, and as we seek to to explore what's the discipline to start, Lord would you would you show us where we might begin? Just invite the spirit to, to speak to you now. He speaks with kindness. Lord, give us the strength to start anew. Restore our faith that change is possible. And before, Lord, we endeavor to change the world around us, would you change us? That we might reflect your glory. That we may radiate your love. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you to continue to receive, to continue to worship, and as the worship band leads us now, I'm going to invite some of the prayer ministry team to come forward, and if you'd like to come and receive prayer, maybe today it's like, Lord, I want to surrender to you. I know that I need you. Then, and then come forward. We'd love to be able to pray with you, uh, or if there's some other area of need that you would love to bring before the Lord, consider it in this. It's just laying yourself before him that he can work in you. Amen.